Hi, and welcome back to OA on Air via social distancing. I'm Kayan Isaacson. This week, it's 321 Go with Cosmo Macero. Then, with everything going on in the world, we thought it was time to talk about something we all know and love, pizza. Carrie Byrne joins us. Among other things, Carrie is the founder of the very successful South Shore Bar Pizza Facebook group. And in two minutes with Tom, Tom and I talk about Trump's most recent impeachment. First up, three, two, one, go. Hello and welcome to another edition of 321 Go on OA On Air, our weekly look into the world of public affairs, culture, business, and the economy. I'm your host, Cosmo Macero, joined by Kyan Isaacson. Hello. The official voice of OA On Air, Kyan, great to uh, be talking to you again. Uh, so much happening in America, so much happening, and we're anticipating in the next several days in the wake of the Capitol attack, which we discussed last week, and so much of what is unfolding every day, every hour, uh, we follow on social media, and, and, and what we're seeing is the role of, uh, of different social media platforms and, and, and them becoming an important part of the actual events themselves, right? Absolutely. I mean, they've been driving the story to a certain extent. Um, even and they're part of the story. Back. Yes. And, and have become main, main players in, in yeah. what this story um, and the role that we shouldn't shy away too from the role that they played in keeping people updated throughout the riots. People were tweeting actively, letting people know they were safe, providing updates, reporters, legislators, people in the building. Um, so that was really powerful. But at the same time, it was also those platforms that gave way to organizing the riot in the first place. All right, so we're going to we're going to spend uh, this segment today talking about a couple of different uh, relevant uh, social media stories and dynamics. But let's first just start with the latest news, and and that is the uh, what we described as the more conservative leaning or conservative alternative to Twitter. Uh, and other platforms, but it's kind of an answer to Twitter, the parlor social media platform, which is relatively new and relatively uh, growing among uh, certain users and now re- relatively dormant uh, because it's it has been shut off from the uh, from its Amazon cloud platform, meaning there's no servers to even carry it. Uh, and, and prior to that, the critical app stores, Apple and others, had shut parlor down also uh, for some of the same reasons that Twitter has permanently suspended President Trump's Twitter account at uh, at real Donald Trump. Permanently suspended just means banned forever. Suspended implies that you might come back, but if you're permanently suspended, that kind of means you're banned. I think that means expelled, yeah. Expelled, yeah. Um, it's definitely... It, a point of controversy for a lot of people as to whether or not Twitter should have done that in the first place. Uh, Facebook and Instagram followed suit very quickly. It took YouTube a couple more days and I think a lot of public pressure to get there as well. Um, But we have to remember, this isn't just that Twitter took down his posts and then ultimately silenced his account and then ultimately banned his account because he was saying things that they didn't agree with. And that's such a, it's, it's a way to really chalk it down to something very simple 
that's not what it was about. It We have to get back to they ultimately did this because they felt his posts were inciting violence. That's yeah. a very different story than just that he was, I mean, it was bad enough that for weeks and months he had been posting about election fraud and, you know, dampening democracy, but they they felt like when it got to that point, enough was enough. That's very different than when people who are opposed to this idea are saying, oh, so if you don't like what we have to say, you can just silence us. Well, technically, first and foremost, yes, they're a private company. We all sign up to join these platforms and we agree to their terms and, and agreements. We have given them this power, whether we have realized it or not. So they do have the right, but it isn't just about they didn't like what he was saying. They didn't like what he was saying and how it was turning into violence and riots in our Capitol building that resulted in five people dying. I mean, this yeah. it's just not that simple. No, it's a good point. I, I, I've got a, you know, I've got a couple different thoughts on this that I think are relevant, and I'll try to sort of walk right through them pretty quickly or step lively right through them. But you're right, terms of service, not so it's it's violating terms of service, and essentially, you know, you are at the mercy of um, uh, of Twitter or another platform if you violate their terms. According to who? According to them. That's the way it goes. So I know that there is a very strong outcry that this is a denial of free speech. And, and I actually understand that because Twitter and the other major social media platforms have this tremendous amount of power and influence. I believe bigger than the government when it comes to the ability to, and I, regulate is not the right word, but certainly cut off or alter your access to the global audience. You, they have created an environment where hundreds and hundreds of millions of people around the world are available to you as an audience just by signing up and then just being provocative and compelling enough. Well, the president was certainly provocative enough to amass almost 90 million followers. Um, but if you violate their terms of service, they can pull the plug, and that's what they've done here. It, it, it It's... It should be confused with violating uh, your free speech or First Amendment rights, but it is a tremendous expression of power, and I think that that's that's worthy of noting. Thing number two and is for this president okay. too. It, yep. He was such a Twitter president. <laughs> that's how he really. That is how he got his message out. He utilized Twitter more so than probably anyone, um, often to his own detriment. But it also is what so many of his followers and his base really liked about him was this unfiltered direct message that they were constantly getting from him. Um, I think why this seems even more politically driven is because Trump relied on Twitter so much that to take that away from him really did take away his ability to talk to his base. Um, and that there's a different element of that compared to how so many others have used Twitter in the past and even currently. That was his main way of communicating, and they kind of cut him off at the legs with that. Um, so I think it feels even more political because of that. Exactly, and you know, a, a great segue into, into my, my 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 second point, which was, which is what if? Well, first of all, the president Donald Trump using Twitter really has revolutionized or or changed or did change. White House communications uh, in a way that no one else has, number one. Number two, he is or has been or was this 
very strange poster user for Twitter. He was the most famous Twitter user. I, I, you know, I believe the president is absolutely responsible for attracting more users to Twitter. And that cuts both ways um, when you decide that he no longer is an appropriate user of your platform. And he used Twitter to do something that no other president has ever done. And, and I think this is actually a contribution to the presidency. If, if future presidents and t uh, follow suit in a very different way. What if your president, by the way, he tweeted 34,000 times, an average of 34 times a day. His, 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 his record day was 200 tweets. Think about that. One guy, the president, 200 tweets. Every day, Cayenne, Donald Trump spoke to the American people directly in his own words. And we knew it was his own words. It was his fingertips to your smartphone. And God knows what he was going to say right up to the point where he incited a capital riot, right? But he spoke to the people in his own words. What if the next president or future presidents get up every day and use Twitter or some other platform to, to, to speak to the American people in their own words in a motivational way, in a uh, informative way, in a way to uh, inspire Americans, in a way to recognize the greatness of America, in a way to, to use humor, whatever it may be, instead of a negative, destructive message, which the president, which Trump's all often was, often, a positive, uplifting, inspiring message. And you know what? If future presidents aren't going to at least try to be very personally connected to Americans in that way, in a positive way, I want to. I want to know why not. You know, just tweeting every day is not a bad thing. It could be a great thing. Donald Trump made it a destructive thing. It, it, but that goes back to to his personality and level of policy engagement. And I mean, there were things that. He was directing policy via tweet, probably not the best way to use Twitter. Um, Barack Obama used Twitter a lot. Every now and again, you would see a tweet that had his initials at the end, which meant that he wrote it himself. But for the most part, it was operated by staff. Um, but I think you make a really good point that there is a lesson to be learned that authenticity worked. Uh, at least for this base. And, and social media is, while it's not all authentic because Instagram is not always real life, um, there is an opportunity to to be more approachable, to talk to people in a more candid way. And if you are generally a more responsible person, then I think that that's probably a really good thing that future presidents should do. Uh, and I think we will see it transform but he did it. In, I mean, we were hearing about people losing their jobs. We were hearing about new policies on Twitter. And you could tell when, you know, it was time for the daily briefing, when they did the press briefings, oftentimes press secretary of, of the moment was catching up to his tweets. Uh, it was like the Twitterverse was finding out before people within within the White House. He was directing policies that weren't real or or probable. Um that's where he also got into a very messy situation. But there's something to it. I would love to see other people harness that power for good. Yeah. No, I, I think it's a valuable tool when used when used properly and productively. Um, just one more quick point. 
And this goes to the idea, and I got people like, you know, I'm monitoring people on different platforms who are parsing every word from the from Trump's speech that day. And they, oh, you know, you've got to read this speech. He wasn't inciting. Hey, look, if if me, if I or some John Q, anybody goes outside and says, hey, everybody, we're going to go to the Capitol tomorrow and we're going to take that place over. We're going to grab Mike Pence by the by the lapels and we're going to, you know, grab Nancy Pelosi and put her in, in jail and we're going to cause damage and do violence. And people look around and, and they're like, tell that guy to shut up. Who is he? You know what? I've exercised my right to free speech and I've done nothing to incite anything because nobody cares. If you have a platform or an audience or influence like the president of the United States, you don't have to say a lot. You could just say, we're going to go up there to Capitol Hill and we're going to show them we mean business. That might be enough, in my opinion, to incite violence. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and the lawyers and the judges are going to sort of, and the, and, and the U.S. Senate uh, are, are going to parse the words and sort of figure that out, I guess. But um, I, I think people are forgetting that your position of influence is uh, a huge factor in your ability to incite violence or a riot with very little uh specifics and you know what there was plenty of specifics in there if you ask me and it was also in the weeks and months and potentially years leading up to that day we, we can't forget that for a very long time he has been speaking to his base and using words like fight like take down like take over and if you have um very fervent followers and supporters and they take that literally that's exactly what they did and for them for a lot of the people that showed up at that rally they had no plans on doing anything bad right i think the majority of the people thought they would you know rebel rouse and hold signs and yell and scream and that would have been disruptive enough at our nation's capital but it only takes a few we've we've seen that before um who took it to the next place. And then what he did in the hours afterwards was just as important as what he did before. He didn't shut it down fast enough when he went out and finally gave a speech after, I think, probably feeling like he was forced to because Biden called him out on it. Um, He said, I love you and you're all great. Like it was just, there's so many different levels (laughs) of it that can be taken apart. And, you know, we have to, it was, Trump's account that was suspended, Twitter as of last Friday, it's probably been more since then, took down another 70,000. Um, so they weren't simply targeting the president. They were looking at people who are who are talking about things that are inciting violence in our country. That's not okay. For the time being, Twitter and the shareholders are paying of the financial price. They're, they're, they've lost a lot of market value and market cap on their stock, and, and they've lost a lot of users. And and. And that's the free market also. And that's the mm-hmm. way it works. But um, it's, a, it's, a, it's a really a fascinating discussion. Um, let's just shift gears for a moment back to where we started briefly to, to, to Parler. And uh, this alternative, um, which has essentially been wiped off, uh, wiped out of the marketplace almost overnight, over a matter of a couple of days. Um, uh, and that really, again, demonstrates the power of of the major tech companies. If you don't have access through one of the app stores, yeah, you can you can you can 
go around and knock on everyone's digital door and say, hey, you know, or email market people and say, hey, we click on this link and get my app. If you don't have access to, you know, the, 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 the retail store of all apps, uh, if you don't have access to the Amazon cloud, you're, you're kind of screwed. Mm-hmm. And hey, they, they, they were optimistic at first. They said, we'll come back. This is not the end of us. As of this morning, we are recording on Thursday. Um, the uh, head of parlor came out and said, yeah, it doesn't look like we're, we're going to be coming back anytime soon. Um, that this is probably the end of it. And again, it goes back to everybody going to their standards. Amazon made the move, said that the conversations happening on Parler were violating their web services term of services. Uh, That's fair. That's If that's the call that they made, it's the same thing. They signed an agreement to to be hosted. Um, I think Parler does make, did make some good arguments. Um, They're saying that there were, there's no evidence that the conversations happening on Parler weren't happening in other places. I think that's probably a fair assessment. But Parler was predominantly being used um, by right-wing conservatives that they felt were posting really threatening and inappropriate content that was inciting violence and happened to play a role in organizing the the riots and the assault on the Capitol last week. So big tech holding people accountable is often, and we talked about this earlier, such a shift. We talked about a couple of years ago when these people were brought before Congress and they were saying, you're not doing enough. Mark Zuckerberg, fake news is rampant on Facebook. You're not doing enough. Um, I don't I don't know what the medium is because we certainly haven't figured out something that works for everyone, but their power will continue as long as we are all signing up and checking that little box that say, we do agree to your terms and services. Indeed. Okay, one last item uh, related here, at least in terms of the social media, um, uh, you know, corner uh, or, or big big part of our lives, and that is um, a lot of day trading right now, and uh, 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 is happening, and a lot of uh, discussion among individual investors has moved over to social media platforms, including Twitter, but but most prominently TikTok as well as YouTube, Reddit, Facebook, uh, a messaging platform called Discord. And uh, uh, to the point where these platforms or the users, um, there's so much activity that you can actually track or at least understand that the markets are being moved from time to time because of all the individual investors uh, that are exchanging information, that are, that are, that are uh, you know, hyping certain stocks or, 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 or whatever it may be. And that's happening much quicker than ever before on these social media platforms. I mean, I just like watching TikTok for the dances, but however other people are deciding to use it. But it does go back to this whole conversation, which is just the ever-growing role that social media is playing in every aspect of our lives, some in which we don't even realize or see all the time. Um, But this is just another example of how these platforms are servicing every industry and 
every audience how wherever they need to be uh, and continue to adapt. They've continued to grow amidst a pandemic where people have been at home and online uh, social platforms have been how people have stayed connected and kept themselves from being bored and all of these things. Now we're talking about how the, the role they're playing in stock trading. I mean, it just, it never ends. We're in the wrong business, Cosmo. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, this is, um, every once in a while I encounter something that, that makes me want to remind people that a lot of this stuff is not even that new. Um, one of my favorite companies that most people have forgotten about, Yahoo!, really pioneered this dynamic or this uh, this type of activity. In fact, the, the Yahoo message board has been a fundamental of investors and day traders for 20 years. This is it, it, what's happening on TikTok and Discord and Twitter uh, uh, with regard to investing as uh, um, you know, as reporter and a couple of as the particular Wall Street Journal story I'm looking at is is just a faster better you know more impactful way to do what's been going what what has been happening online on the internet for for two decades um but you now that's the evolution of technology you know that, that that's the evolution of technology but um it, it it's not new but it's better and faster and faster and better such that it's that it's you're able to see how how markets are, are are moved, how stocks are impacted on a daily basis. So that's pretty fascinating. Well, I think it's going to be interesting as we go into next week, inauguration, new presidency, how uh, all of these accounts having been suspended, how the Biden administration is going to approach social media use. Um, this is certainly not the end of it, but uh, stay tuned. Absolutely. Like we'll be talking about this again. Indeed. All right, Cayenne, thanks a lot. That's going to do it for this week's edition of 321 Go. We're recorded remotely in various locations around the Commonwealth of Massachusetts and the U.S. I'm your host, Cosmo Macero. Our producer is Catherine O'Brien. Thanks for listening. Goodbye till next time. All right, up next on 321Go, we're joined here by Kerry J. Byrne of KJB Trending Hospitality. Also, my colleague Andy Pavin, as well as Kyan Isaacson, the official voice of OA On Air. We're going to talk pizza, specifically the greatest pizza in America. Kerry Byrne, how are you? Tell us about South Shore Bar Pizza. Well, South Shore Bar Pizza is America's greatest, most delicious culinary tradition. It's found only in the the pubs and taverns and dive bars and blue collar watering holes south of Boston. Uh, we started the social bar pizza social club in February on the eve of the pandemic is restaurants clearly begin to slow down in February. People were afraid to go out. And I kind of saw this coming, created the page within a day. There were over a thousand people in the group, the social bar pizza social club. It's club. It's taken off since then. People have just been excited to discover how deeply ingrained this tradition is south of Boston. And it's been someone like me who grew up, you know, uh, eating it and then writing about it for the Herald. I thought I knew everything there was to know about South Shore Bar Pizza. It turns out I knew very little. It's much deeper and more ingrained in our culture than I realized. And it's been a great, exciting discovery process as a food person. Not only that, it's been arguably America's greatest restaurant success story, the pandemic, with every 
every establishment that sells bar pizza is still in business. Some of them have had their best years ever. And people now have made so touring social bar pizza spots a part of their weekend life. And uh, the page now is about 25,000 people. And it's, it's been exciting to watch. Not only that, it's inspired, including you, Cosmo, a whole, a whole new generation of people who have learned to make bar pizza at home and pass that tradition on to their kids. It's been really fun to watch. It really has. I want to get to this unbelievable success story that you motivated and inspired and really have have created to support this segment of the restaurant industry and at such a difficult time. I do first want to just get everyone's personal slice of bar pizza history. I feel like I'm kind of the Johnny come lately. I've been eating bar pizza about 20 years since I've been going to Marshfield, and it has become not just my favorite pizza, but kind of the only pizza I really eat with any regularity. But yourself, Kerry, Andy Pavitt, Cayenne also. Talk about your individual experiences because I, I know each of you grew up in one way or the other, eating at Town Spa or, or Alumni or, or one of these other great spots. Andy, why don't you start? Uh, yeah, absolutely. I, I grew up uh, I grew up on Wollaston Avenue in Quincy, which is about two blocks from where the original alumni was, the, the only real alumni to some of us. Um, and st- I mean, A, used to go, walk up to get takeout for my, you know, for my family when I was a kid. When we were also like preteens and early teens, we used to go around to the back door of the place, the kitchen door. And order food because, you know, even the even the restaurant side of the place, they don't make bars like this anymore. There were two front doors on the right hand side. It, it just went into the bar and it was maybe 20 feet wide and maybe 70 feet long. And on the left hand side was where the lounge, as it was called, was. And it was just Naugahyde booths. And as we as we got older to be teenagers, we would actually go in and sit in the lounge. And one of the distinct memories I have is when they would bring our pizzas out in the metal trays in which they're cooked. Um, we used to take the, the napkins, the, the, the booths had like the little metal napkin holders, like you were in a diner. We used to take the napkins and put them down on the top of the pizza to soak up all the oil on the pizza before we ate it. It was outstanding. <laughs> Kanye, what, what about you? Um, I grew up in Canton, so I grew up on Town Spa Pizza, um, and it is by far my favorite pizza. Uh, my son, who's now seven, uh, Town Spa and Bar Pizza is his favorite pizza. We now live uh, in Southern California where bar pizza cannot be found anywhere. Um, and my husband and I have half-jokingly discussed figuring out a way to just start making it and do a pop-up place here. But for me, I think part of the bar pizza, like there's a nostalgia that comes with with it when you eat it I'm not shocked to hear that these places have done really well because I also think that bar pizza is it's different in that I think it's the most comforting kind of pizza and for the past you know eight nine months as the the world has been reeling from a pandemic drawing to comfort foods and nostalgic foods that remind you of growing up in your local watering hole or wherever it may be that's kind of what you were looking for and I, I mean, I love this Facebook group. I think it's amazing. It's also just so great to see how many other places are doing it um, because there are so many staples that we've all grown up with and have been going to for, you know, years, decades. But there's a lot of new places that are doing it really well, too. Yeah. And, you know, so I did grow up. In, I did not grow up in the South Shore, but 
I mean, I've been I've been going to the South Shore for summers and weekends now for over 20 years in Marshfield. I just kind of encountered the great pizza at, at Venus too, and I've been eating it all that time. And it wasn't until more recently, though, my wife said, you know, I, I, I'm Italian. My, my father was born in Italy. He used to make like, you know, homemade artisan pizza. And I've had, you know, I, you're an Italian person. You grow up eating all kinds of pizza. But by this point, sort of influenced by my wife, who was like, I kind of only like to eat bar pizza. And it was really just that one place. I think I probably encountered it one or two of the other, like Poopsies or a few others, because that's in, 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 on the Marshfield Pembroke line. But it was really just eat, eating the pizza at that one place. And then, like some kind of uh, awakening, Kerry, you, you launched this site right as the pandemic begins. And literally overnight, just thousands of people are flocking to this Facebook page to, to give their stories. And the, 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 net, the, the net result is, at, at a difficult time for restaurants, it's been able to sustain and in some cases even grow some of these businesses because of all the activity created. And Seven Letter and uh, O'Neill and Associates are in public affairs and public relations. And, 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 and a big part of that is, is how people do PR really well. This has to be one of the greatest PR stories of the year for an industry that has suffered severely. Yeah, I mean, I do call it, I said it earlier, America's greatest restaurant success story of 2020. And it's, it's been a community story. You know, Cayenne said, you know, it's there's some nostalgia to it. What the page tapped into, it's not just pizza. It's, it's one, it's social pride. It's regional pride. Uh, it's a largely Irish part of the country. Our food culture is not known as the best, but this is this is our unique contribution to American culinary culture. And it's something to be proud of. And it's great. And it's delicious. And it's unique. But there's also that... Uh, you know, that nostalgic aspect. And that's what the page tapped into was one, the region, one that's great pizza to eat, but the regional pride and the nostalgia, it turns out people uh, have their, uh, uh, embrace that pizza they grew up with. Andy was alumni. To me, was alumni too. I grew up in a different part of Quincy, but to me, when I think of bar pizza as a kid, it was Friday nights getting stacks of pizzas wrapped in the brown paper bag out of alumni. Sometimes out of the back door by the gas station, you know, sometimes you walk in and, exactly. you know, and uh, so and it turns out that nostalgia, those memories are deeply seeded throughout the South Shore at a level I didn't know existed. And this page tapped into that, that passion and that history. And I thought there were 10 or 12 places that sold bar pizza. It turns out there are 50 or 60 or more. They're all over the place. And the thing is, they're just neighborhood joints. People only went to their neighborhood place. They didn't know there was one in the next neighborhood or one in the you know the next town. And and one of the things that came out of this group is people discovered there's a whole big world of social bar pizza out there. To the point there is now social bar pizza tourism. People yep. pack up on the weekends and travel <laughs> all around. Oh, I got to hit these five places today. And oh, next weekend, I'm going to hit these five places. And these places, which, you know, the alumni, old alumni, to use it as an example, would primarily get people just from Wallaston or, you know, town spot would get yep. primarily people from, from Stoughton and immediately surrounding towns. And when, you know, people bought bar pizza at their local neighborhood joint. Now they're going out and discovering, comparing and contrasting and, and, and learning that this is a much bigger world of bar pizza beyond just their neighborhood watering hole. And that's been exciting to see as someone who's traveled the world writing about food and local food culture to have something like that in my my own backyard is pretty exciting 
it's like like ever like like the rest of you on this on this podcast you know i'm a member of a number of different groups on facebook i gotta say there isn't one that is more active where the members are more passionate and involved and yeah there's there's a whole sort of tourist act aspect to it and not only do the members of the group undertake those those trips to try out a bunch of different places all in one day but they post the whole story uh, it really is. It, it's been it's 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 been a lot of fun for for me because exactly I grew up with the alumni because it was the place up the street, you know, to put it in Quincy yeah. lingo. It was the place up the street. That's where you went. And, and, and from the know, to, from the from the talking shop perspective, there, there's a little lesson here on on how to create a community, how to create interest and and build public relations out of it. I mean, you, you know, the Boston Herald, the Boston Globe, uh, stories have been generated. There's been other coverage. There's going to be a documentary. Kerry's done a number of different pieces about this. You've got tw- 20,000 members. It's unbelievable. Well, 23,000 now when it grows. So 23,000 members. It's, it's, yeah. it's unbelievable. That's and just real oh quick, the, you know, the, 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 uh, the back of the napkin, so to speak, rules. 10-inch bar pizza, 10 inches made inside a pan, sauce and the cheese all the way to the edge. Very thin, sort of often crispy crust. Almost all cheddar, sometimes 100% cheddar cheese. That's the sort of one of the secrets, as well as some others. And of course, I love you. I love the rules that you've established. One man or one person, one pizza, right? You, you can swap slices, but if you get six people, you better be ordering six pizzas at least, right? Yeah. Well, as I said, we wrote a story about it at the early on in the site on the page uh, on my own personal website, KerryBurn.com. The 21 reasons that South Shore Bar Pizza is America's most delicious and most uh, eccentric bar pizza tradition. And like you said, one of them is one man, one pizza. And as we write, even breastfeeding babies in Irish family south of Boston get their own takeout bar pizza on a Friday night. (laughs) One dad, one mother, one baby, three pizzas. Oh, my three-year-old son could finish a bar pizza on his own. No problem. But that's just one of the, you know, one of the many unique qualities of it. But it is, you don't, you know, it's not something you get by the slice. You get your own pizza. Yeah. Uh, Kyan, just to a point you made earlier, you know, I actually think that there is a potential untapped market for it. Now some people are doing it. I think someone is doing it, maybe Austin, Texas, taking this, this food item and exporting it, uh, you know, uh, domestically to other parts, other parts of the country. It, 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 I mean, it, it's 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 kind of strange that it still primarily only exists not just in Massachusetts, but within one little region of Massachusetts. Yeah. So I think I think that it's such a good product when executed properly and a good eating experience uh, that. There's a market out there around the country for it to be proper, you know, if someone knows how to promote something. But so, but I think part of it, though, Cosmo, was the fact that you, you know, like you can only get champagne in champagne, right? If you go to, I go to France a lot, and if you go to Romps and you go to the, you go to the caves underneath Romps and see all the champagne, you know, aging in these limestone caves beneath the city. And like, you can't replicate that experience. You can drink champagne anywhere. You can make a champagne-style product anywhere, but to immerse yourself in the culture, you need to be in champagne. And not to over-dramatize it, to, immer- to enjoy bar pizza, you really need to immerse yourself in, in – you have to be at a pub, an old working-class dive bar with no windows, 
drinking Budweiser <laughs> in a pub south of Boston. Like that, to me, you can never, you'll never be able to, and I don't, there's no reason people can't try it, but to me, to, to fully experience it, you'll have to do it inside some, you know, seedy dive bar south of Boston. And when I say dive bar, I'm not insulting it at all. It's a term in, No, dive bars are the best bars. Exactly. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, no, I, I think you can get a point. Bar pizza. Drinks. A bar that doesn't <laughs> mix drinks, basically. If, if I think of the alumni of, of my youth, you know, you could get a drink, you could get a beer. You, yep. you didn't ask for things that were four different ingredients mixed up. and Because Richie, the guy behind the bar, he just wouldn't serve them. Yeah. So I, I, I'll send you guys. I wrote for the Boston Herald. Did, I was at the alumni the night it closed. It closed in August 2013, and I, I lived right near the alumni in Wollaston at the time. I lived there for 20 years, and heard it was going to close, so I went there the night it closed. And the next day, I wrote for the Boston Herald a tribute to the alumni cafe. I since it, the story since gone, but I replicated it on my website. And one of the things I talk about is the fact that it was a place for beer and stiff drinks. You do not yep. I forget the exact word, but you don't you don't you don't go to bar pizza joints for fancy cocktails. Yeah. You go there I, for shots of Jack Daniels and, yeah. and cold Budweiser, you know, but that's <laughs> part of it. That's there's nothing. It's, it's a working class thing. And it was, it was made bar pizza originated basically first in Brock and then in Quincy. Brockton was the shoemaking capital of the world. Quincy was one of the America's great shipbuilding communities. This was pizza for working class guys who got off the shift at the shipyard, got off the shift at the shoe factory and went out for a few cocktails after work and some pizza. They weren't looking for fancy food. They were looking for something to stuff their pie holes with alongside their, you know, Miller High Life and Jim Beam. And that's what makes it such an authentic blue collar American culinary tradition. It wasn't meant to win over the, you know, the, the food and wine, you know, the crowd that reads Food and Wine magazine. It was meant to win over mom and dad trying to feed their kids on a Friday night or the guy off the shift at the shipyard. And that, to me, is what makes it more appealing than anything. It is working class American food to its core. Yeah, you make a really good point too, that no matter how many, you know, bar pizzas you get takeout and you bring it home and the family eats it, um, it never tastes as good as it does, I think, in the bar. And the more you talk, you know, I, again, grew, grew up in Canton. So while I grew up more going to Town Spa nostalgically as a grown up, I went, you know, Nepont Street Cafe, otherwise known as Big By the way, Dee's, Big and- Dee's, one of the great undiscovered bar pizza joints in, Absolutely. I didn't heard of it till recently. Uh, and you know who loved it was Clint Eastwood. Oh, really? Yeah, when he was um, filming in Massachusetts, uh, you know, years ago, and the name of the movie is escaping me, but he went to uh, Big D's, and yeah, Big D's is one of those places. You know, if you know, you know, and if you don't, you're missing out. Um, but phenomenal uh, bar pizza, and again, you know, it it tastes best sitting at the bar surrounded by wood there's one very i think small window and the uh, the windows the better the bar pizza joint (laughs) right i think think that's a great recipe for success (laughs) well and and many of the best places i think if you one thing that one thing that your your page has done that i think is really important is a lot of the places that i think are great are not places that a stranger might stop into if they didn't know like they don't, you know, it's it's a local institution, as you said. The fewer the windows, the more authentic. Those aren't places that, that strangers generally walk into, yeah. They, because you don't yeah. get you don't understand 
that once you get inside, it is friendly. You know, it, it, it but it, it doesn't like have all friendly. the, yeah, I, it just, it, it, there's no pretension. And, mm-hmm. you know, you sit down and enjoy yourself and nobody bothers you and it's great. But, but it's open, I think it opened a window for a lot of people to, I, I, I'll speak for myself. Like I said, I went to the alumni from the time I was a young child. So Bar Peaks has been part of my life for, you know, almost 60 years, right? But I didn't know about a bunch of places, uh, take Poopsies, for example. For example, I lived for a couple of years in Marshfield on School Street, maybe a mile and a half from there. I never knew about it. I got a great Poopsie story, Andy. When I was with the Herald, I went to the Intercontinental Hotel at a bunch of restaurants in there, Mial Brasserie, they had a sushi tequila bar, and I'm sitting down with the publicist, this woman, Kelly Doyle. Very, she's from Duxbury, very uh, beautiful, blonde, socialite style woman, very wonderful person. She became a friend of mine, but she, she, she looked like a woman of, you know, class and dignity and and style. And she represented a very high end hotel and was sitting there shooting the breeze. And she goes, Oh, do you know poopsies? (laughs) (laughs) You know, a rickety old neighborhood guy bar in a strip mall. Yep. And she loved poopsies. And the fact that this kind of very sophisticated Duxbury socialite type woman was a fan of this, you know, dingy neighborhood dive bar that sold bar pizza was to me, that's how I actually found out about poopsies from her. But it also highlighted to me that it, it, uh, you can, you can be anyone and still love bar pizza and love the fact that it is, it has no pretension. It has no ears about it. You know, this, this woman who represents one of the nicest hotels in, in New England also likes to, you know, drink Budweiser and eat bar pizza at this, you know, this windowless, nearly windowless dive bar. You know what I mean? Yep. So yep. that to me was always one of my turning points in my my uh, bar pizza life and in, in, uh, evolution into uh, kind of, you know, growing my appreciation of it was that conversation with that woman at the Hotel Intercontinental, I don't know, 10 or 15 years ago. That's great. She's a, she's a, she's a friend and, and several years, many years ago was a client of our firm. Oh, really? Uh, oh, so you know Kelly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's a great person. But it but it makes the point that Cayenne and now we know the best story about Kels. Well, exactly. <laughs> and, it, and it makes the point that Cayenne said, kind of, and we might have we might have passed by it without noticing. If you know, you know. Yep. So Poopsies, Poopsies is one of those places. It's set back from the street it's on, Route 139, yep. right on the Pembroke Marshfield line. And if you didn't know why you should go there, you have no reason to pull into that parking lot you know, a hundred and maybe a hundred feet back from the, from the street to walk in the door of a dimly lit bar. I drove by that place in my life 500 times before I ever heard, before me and Kelly had that conversation. I never heard of it. You and me both. And you I and was like, ooh, like, I thought I knew everything about bar pizza. And it turns out I knew very little, you know? Yeah. And, and I, and, and, and I should say it here out loud. I only know about poopsies because of South Shore bar pizza on Facebook. True story. So one of, the, one of the first places I reviewed for the page back in March or something was called Lynch's Tavern in Abington. And this is how I described it. Underrated Lynch's Tavern is a blighted, narrowly windowless hole in the wall right next to the train tracks. It's glorious. Especially when the commuter rail rolls by 10 feet from your seat and the vibration splashes your shot of Jack Daniels all over the bar. This place looks like someone's house it looks like you know it's got like a green awning out there it could not be more ghetto next to the train tracks and it's a wonderful gem of a hole in the wall serving great bar pizza hmm. i right. do think that um, your fa- this facebook group 
represents, I think, the best of what Facebook is supposed to be at a time where we have seen social media go awry for so many reasons um, and controversy about the value it brings to society and people's lives. These kind of groups are, are what Facebook is supposed to be well, about. Sure. So yes. thank Leave you. Leave it to Cayenne to bring an incredibly poignant and, uh, and uh, good point into the conversation. You're, you're absolutely right. It is. This is the best of Facebook, and and, and it's the kind of th- you know, along with your along with your birthday once a year. But uh, you're absolutely right. I couldn't agree more, Kanye. Our number two rule of the group is no politics. <laughs> that helps keep it civil. It's been a fairly civil page by the standards of Facebook. And okay. that is rule so, number two: capital N O politics. So since we're not on Facebook, let me interject this. And if, you know, I don't know how much, how much room we have or how much time we have for it, but I'll, I'll just, I'll just share it. When, um, when governor Weld and Senator Kerry faced off for a, for the Senate seat in 1994, I was, I was living in Washington and people asked me about, you know, the various strengths and weaknesses of the two candidates. I respect both of them very much. Um, and one of the things I, one of the ways I described the race was that if I thought about the alumni, Bill Weld could walk into the alumni and sit down and have a few drinks with the guys, and they were mostly all guys yeah. in the alumni, and he would walk out the door and they would say, "What a great guy he is." And if John Kerry, whose whose political positions probably would have helped these people more than Welds, quite honestly, if he walked in. He would have sat down and ordered a, and ordered a glass of Chardonnay from Richie, and Richie would have looked at him and did what I can't tell the full story, but did to a friend of a friend, which is looked him in the eye, reached into the cooler, popped open a long neck bud, and bounced it on the bar hard enough that it came out the top, and looked at him and said, "There's your Chardonnay, okay." <laughs> he would have asked for his bar pizza with Swiss cheese, I'm sure. Exactly. Exactly. Hey, yes. by the way, a sign of the 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 power of social bar pizza, arguably Boston's most famous Irish pub, the Erie pub in Dorchester in Adams village is now serving social bar pizza. True story. As of about a month or two ago, uh, they're not the only ones, but in, to me, if you, you're not bar pizza is not supposed to cross in the Ponza river. (laughs) Actually, I actually have a line about it, about, uh, it's kind of, you know, it's the Rubicon of bar pizza. Right. But, but uh, but Erie Pub is serving bar social bar pizza. I'm sure because of you know the success of the style through this pandemic, and that's great. It's great to that, especially that it's such a great local working class place. Like I have the Bud and a Jack theory of dive bars. The cheaper the Bud and Jack combo, the better the dive. And I think at the Erie Pub, it's eight twenty five for a Bud and a Jack, which is among the cheapest in Greater Boston. So that that makes it a legit dive bar, in my estimation. All right, Terry, Terry Byrne, KJB Trending Hospitality, founder of the South Shore Bar Pizza Social Club on Facebook. Also, coldheartfootballfacts.com for what it's worth, uh, and a lot of other stuff. Terry, this has been great. Thanks for coming on to uh, OA on Air. We've been wanting to do this segment for a while, and it uh, it has really been quite a success story. No, I appreciate it. And one thing I'm proud of, all the people like you making bar pizza at home now, Cosmo. That's been great. So thank you, you very may, much. You may be new to this, but you've 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 raced past many of us, cause. Let, let me tell you something real quick. If I told you the number of home attempts that did not make the page, <laughs> I, took, I took it comes out of the pan. I take one bite. I'm like, 
this is garbage, and boom, that's where it goes. But uh, it's fun trying to make it at home. But I get there's no substitute for one of these 50 or so joints, uh, and I'm not I'm not even a third of the way through trying to f- try them all. Yeah, I still have a lot to visit myself, so we'll we'll have fun getting there. All right, great. Thank you. All right, guys. Thank you. Thanks all. Hi, Diane. Hi, Tom. How are you? Pretty good. Two minutes. Two minutes with Tom. And Tom, it's good to talk to you. Always a pleasure. Another busy week. It's it's been a crazy week. Uh, Not many weeks where you find anybody being impeached for the second time in their in their four year term has never happened in history. It's historic. It's historic. and, uh, and so there are questions being asked as to the importance of impeachment. What, uh, what is the message, even if it doesn't follow up with the conviction in the U.S. Senate, either before Trump leaves or when Mr. Biden comes in? Um, you know, you know, the, the, the simple answer to me is the world is watching the, the tumultuous insurgency at the U.S. Capitol building filtered and fired on and prompted by President Trump. Uh, I, I think in my mind, what the US House of Representatives and Nancy Pelosi wanted to do was send a message saying, you cannot incinerate, you cannot instigate insurgency against the capital of the United States or its government without getting your wrist slapped. It just can't happen. We can't allow this to be the way of the future. The world has got to know, and America and its people have got to know, that we are not going to let Donald Trump get away with this. He's going to be punished. And if punishment means a second round of impeachment, then that's what we're going to do. Whether the Senate chooses to follow along, that's their business. But the world is going to know that we didn't allow it to happen unnoticed or allow it to go scot-free. Yes, it was a very public condemnation that uh, looking back, it seems, I I think I read this morning that someone from the Judiciary Committee, while they were all in lockdown last Wednesday, sent a text around to fellow judiciary members and said, we're going to have to impeach him on this. Um, So they knew they moved very quickly, the Senate not moving as quickly. Uh, But it's also important. This was had some backing from Republicans, um, 10. It would have been nice to have seen more. But at least, you know, we had 10 of his own party come out and say, yeah, just absolutely not. This cannot stand. Um, and I think in the long run, one of the things that we know is most important to this president is his reputation, how people think of him, uh, how he has talked about. And if nothing else, the history books will not be kind. Uh, based on uh, so much, but particularly the actions of the last week, and now a second impeachment, which, as you said, historic. Yeah, yeah. I, I couldn't agree with you more. <clears throat> I do think another another thing that happened this week was that Hillary Clinton wrote a, an op-ed page piece for the Washington Post. Now, some people listening may not be a fan of Hillary Clinton. I get that. But I think it's an important piece to read and digest. It talks about the recrimination on both sides that is going to last for a long period of time. 
Um, people in my own family have arguments with family members, friends, and people who aren't so friendly. Uh, there have been people who have gone on airplanes and argued with people next to them when they think that they politically aren't in sync with one another, and arguments flare up. I think this type of thing is going to go on for a long period of time. It's happening in my family. It's happening amongst friends of ours, um, and, and I'm concerned about it. She writes about that and then asks the question in a very profound way. Is, is, is whiteness in America overloading democracy? And I think, um, I think we all have to sit back and kind of ask ourselves that question. No matter what your philosophy happens to be, we have to be careful about this, this, this democracy of ours. And we have to make sure that we all work to keep it in place. Just a parting thought, that's all. Thanks, Diane. Inaugurations next week, Tom. And we'll be talking about that at the same time. I'm looking forward to it. As I say at the end of every one of our two minutes with Cayenne, there will be a brighter day, and it's coming. Thank you. All right. Bye-bye. That's it for this week's episode of OA On Air via social distancing. Thanks for tuning in. Talk to you next week.